Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. One and all to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles. Wampo side on the buttons. Jim is here at the door. We got the whole crew here tonight. We're going to be sipping on a little bit of uh, bourbon this evening. Talking about a, a very interesting topic that... Uh, I've not really thought about too much up until about a month ago. Um, talking about how teenagers aren't real. They're not real. They don't exist. So anyway, so stick around for that. But before we get to there, uh, the whiskey we're drinking this evening is Ranger Creek 36 Calf Strength Texas Straight Bourbon Whiskey, uh, ABV oh. 65.7%. That's kind of, a long, kind of a long name. Yeah. Um, it was given to us by a attendee of the Catholic Mancho Campout, um, which we greatly appreciate. Uh, which is this thirty six uh, Texas cast strength bourbon is a rare release, uh, using only a few barrels, hand selected by the head distiller, handcrafted in San uh, at their San Antonio distillery, aged and matured in the Texas heat. This whiskey is a unique and bold expression of Texas terrier. Uh, among the best they've ever bottled. Okay. So that's a, a a bold statement, but this finish is smooth. The flavor is bold. The craftsmanship is uncompromising. Enjoy the bourbon uh, the way our distillers do, straight from the barrel. Share it with your friends, or just keep it to yourself, is what it says. It's hot. So uh, we're on the Lord's team. I'm jumping the gun. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Dark amber in color. I do like the color. Uh, smell of cinnamon, a little nutmeg, and the tenons of, of the wood are, are very strong. Um, what'd you think? Um, it does have, it does have a lot of good flavor. So a lot of those things you mentioned, cinnamon, um, I think, but, Ooh. but it's, it's hot. Ooh. It's spicy. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. you can really tell. Kind of makes you jump up and down a little bit. That it's barrel strength. Uh, was wow. it? Good for the winter. percent. Yeah, almost sixty-six percent alcohol. Wow. And Just very go very modestly on this. You can tell. Yeah. That it's it's strong. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize. So you know, like if you're in, if for some reason you find yourself in North Dakota for some reason, and you're Trying to stay warm. This, this is good. This will do you. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it it is hot. Mm-hmm. I do like it though. I do too. Has it has it, a strong it, fish? It, I it mean, has, it is. It has uh, the flavor. To, you, you know, it's not just hot, right? Um. So yeah, I like it. And it, it's fitting for being in the month of November. 
the month in which we pray for the poor souls in purgatory. Okay. I was wondering where you were going with that. I, yeah. I dig. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we do in the Minion House that uh, I encourage you guys to do as a family is we go to the cemetery to pray for the souls at the cemetery. Yeah. And one of the things, uh, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's been a year, so I can talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, what we do as a family is we pray the rosary, and we just start somewhere in the cemetery, and, and we, we say the, the person's name on the headstone, and then say a Hail Mary, and then go to the next one, say a Hail Mary. And so we pray for each of the, the people as we go down the row, and it's really interesting to see what your kids say, uh, you know, and think afterwards, because they want to know, like, well, who's this person? When did they die? Yeah. You know, when, when, when were they alive? And then, you know, there's different things on the headstones of people, you know, whether they, they served in their armed forces or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have different, just different things about them and uh, on their headstone, right? And so they, the kids always want to know, like, who is this person? Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it looks but, like they were into music. Right. <laughs> they liked dogs. Yeah. Um, but, um it's really it's it's a it's a cool practice that we do. Uh, I I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And so you guys go headstone by headstone. I like that. Mm-hmm. I take a different approach. Mm-hmm. I just kind of casually walk, and my intention is to pray for each person I pass, both sides, right? Get just mm. get get more people. I'm just trying to scoop them. Well, up. we start out by saying we pray for all the souls in this okay. cemetery. All right. So you've got one of those legal clauses that right that it covers your bases. I get, I, right. I see. But then we go through and say for particular saints or yeah. well maybe saints, but particular uh, particular souls. Hopefully you're. Hopefully they are. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly just play in the odds. There's some. Right. Even though the path is narrow. Right, but there's some. There's some. Yeah. So uh, that's always a good practice, you know, especially as. You know, Catholics, we pray for the poor souls in purgatory. Yeah. This is a, and a you can good... get a uh, plenary indulgence mm-hmm. for the souls in purgatory during the octave. Of day. yes, uh, of, of of all, all souls, souls day. day. Yeah, so it's been a busy uh, a busy week. We, uh, as you guys probably notice, noticed we didn't have an episode last week. Um, I was out hunting. Took took my boys out hunting this last weekend, and yeah. uh, Luke, my oldest, got his first deer. Which Sweet. is awesome. Uh, Where'd you go, Luke? Got a buck. Where'd you go, Godson? Yeah, got a buck, which is cool. First year. Yeah, it's totally. a buck. Um, as some of you know who listened to the show last year, he shot a doe, but we couldn't recover it. We didn't find. We he, didn't find it. Uh, supposedly so, he shot a doe. Well, I saw it. You did. You, yeah, I so saw it. Did, I witnessed he it. Shoot. He, okay. shot, he okay. shot it. But. I my my uh, understanding was that maybe there was some question over whether or not no he shot it okay. but it was uh it didn't it just didn't find didn't, it didn't find it that's tough which is rough that's really tough but this one uh he you know we got uh it was really cool he shot it uh we saw it bed down we thought okay it's going to go you know lay down and die and so I got all my kids and and we went around the other other way with my truck uh, and actually Leo was running up and jumped it. Uh, and the deer took off only about 10 yards because you know, he's actively dying. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it, it kind of scared him a little bit, which is... Leo? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he's just running up there and then all of a sudden the deer like jumps up and it's takes alive! off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was really cool. He got, a, Luke got a chance to to help clean it and uh, we we Euro mounted it. So we, we, we did that yesterday. You, done? you did it already? Yep, yep, it's out in the backyard right now. Sweet. 
Very cool. So it was it was a cool day. I can't I can't tell you like how much I loved. Once, but you did it. Time with the boys out in out in the woods, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But also that moment of him shooting the deer, like and getting his first deer. Yeah, you know, and him. He was so proud. He was so happy. Well, he's been working hard for a couple of years now to right to get one and like you know the hug that came after afterwards and you know just uh-huh. the, the the emotion the raw emotion that, yeah. that that happened um it's just one of those moments as a dad you just you, you cherish sure uh so it's just really really cool to to experience that with yeah him. that is awesome so i want to give a shout out to uh my sister um, oh, yeah. Becca, Becca, who got, who got engaged here in the last uh, week or so. Um, she did it. She did it. Old Tim and, pulled the trigger. Yeah, it's right. Her, her fiance Tom, <laughs> who's awesome. We really love Tom. Yeah, we like. He's, he's great. I uh, said, tell him why I said that. Like, well, so yeah, I was gonna. I decided the first time I was meeting Tom, I was gonna, you know, do what was my duty as the older brother and uh, provide a little hazing as a welcome to the family, potentially, mm-hmm. we'll test your metal a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I had decided I'm going to call him the wrong name all night, all day, you know, like all dinner. And then, you know, they'll correct me. He's like, it, it's Tom's like, ah, oh, gosh, Tom. So I'm so, I'm so sorry. And then, you know, a few minutes later, call him Tim again, or Trey or whatever. Yeah. And to the point where he's, he, you you're get right. it. You're messing with me. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Yep. All right. Cool. Um, but I totally chickened out. You blew I just, it. I just couldn't do it. He's such a nice guy. I just like, <laughs> I couldn't do it, you know. And until the very, but I had dis- I had resolved. I was going to, and so at the very end of the night, I was like, "All right, well, great, nice to meet you, Tim." And I left. And then as I'm walking away, it's like, "No, <laughs> I now you just it. look like a jerk." Yeah. You know, you looks like you actually don't know his name. The point was that it was supposed to be funny. <laughs> And like he was gonna definitely know, you know who you know his name, but you're messing with him on purpose. He has no idea. He really just thinks you're I called him Tim. Yeah, and I don't know his name, and so it was terrible. It totally backfired. But anyway, okay, uh, we're very happy for them. Yes. Um. So we were at an engagement party. Juan was there this last weekend, and uh, we're all sitting around watching the Bedlam game, bruh. OSU. I told you. I told you the Cowboys were gonna win. You did. Now I was. Completely sarcastic. <laughs> this is also several weeks ago before the Cowboys decided to play football. Right. Um, they decided they made a good choice. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're at this engagement party, and I look down, and there's some a kid's cup with Kool-Aid in it, and inside is a yellow jacket just on the inside of the cup. And so I grab it, and I start swirling the Kool-Aid and get that yellow jacket in there. And I hand it to Juan, and I was like, hey, Juan, I'll give you 20 bucks if you drink this. And he goes, 35. And I said, deal. And without looking, he just throws it back. <laughs> and I was watching him going, Juan, there was a yellow jacket in there. He's like, I didn't look, man. I just, you owe me $35. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> you just drank a yellow jacket, man. He did. It was so funny. I'm holding it out. It's like 20 bucks if you drink it. 35. Deal. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> like, what? You didn't even look? I thought for sure you would look and you wouldn't do it. But you did it. Anyway, very funny. 
Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great the best hotels, you're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're drinking some 36 cast Ranger Creek 0.36 cast strength Texas straight bourbon whiskey. This is the strongest cookie yellow jacket in yeah, your belly. Definitely. I feel definitely like kill jacket. I feel yeah. like just about any insect if yeah. like was in this they're going to die. Yeah. Uh anyway, Planted some wheat this last week. Pretty oh, excited nice. about that. Yeah. Gonna make some bread. Yeah. I think. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Potentially. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how I'll potent you know. it is and if it... it, it right. Could um, could total flop, totally be a flop. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. Well, but exci- excited about it, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, about a month ago, we talked to a good friend of ours, Jason Craig, who is the editor of Sword and Spade. If you guys haven't uh, uh, signed up for Sword and Spade magazine, it's a phenomenal magazine. I, I, I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, he talked to us. He's also doing an interesting class. If you're interested in homesteading yeah. and you want to like... It may have already happened or it's well, I, happening I, this week. I think they're in there, there's something they'll continue to do. You can go yeah. check out his website where... I think Joseph's farm. Yeah. You can go take a class on how to homestead, mm-hmm. whether it's for you, and how to get started. Mm-hmm. Which is a, uh, an important, yeah. I think. Uh, Definitely a lot of rising interest in the concept. No doubt. No doubt. But we were talking to him, and he raised up a, uh, a notion that the, the, the word teenager, that teenagers weren't a thing. It was not so, this was not a concept I was aware of until... We both heard him Say speaking this. on this the other day. And at first, you you know, you have this... So we're going to talk about this tonight. And at first, you have this, like, pushback reaction, I think. Or at least I did. I had this, like, ah, I don't know. Like, I like the idea of where you're headed, but I don't know if that's really true or not. Uh, And not that I thought he was, you know, a liar. Adam thought he was a liar. No, I didn't think he was a liar. I just, like... You know what, Jason? You're a liar. <laughs> no, no, I, not at all. But I just... Did, I wasn't aware of this thought process. It was just new to me. And so, yeah. like... When there's this new concept that seems such a, uh, I guess pun intended, juvenile, uh, you know, concept, you know, you're like that can't be, mm-hmm. you know, and so you you just think like I don't know what you mean by that. Anyway, so he was talking to us about how teenagers is a is a relatively new concept. Yeah. In 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 society, the idea of distinguishing as a you know category of of right, man. Per, yeah. Um. And I think specifically, it's 
I think we can really kind of talk about it with 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 regard to men. Well, we will tonight because, but women just young women don't fall into like they don't get the teenager label quite as strongly as men as young men do. But you know, so we've talked about on the show many times that as a parent, you know, as a father, we're we're called to protect, provide, and establish, right? And and protecting and providing. uh, We've talked about. Uh, on shows many of times, so you can go back and listen to those shows uh, if you're interested. But we've also talked about establishing and like what it means as a father to establish your children to go out, you know, and become disciples of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So that they go out and preach the gospel to everybody, you know, and evangelize the culture, right? And I think th- this conversation really is surrounded, you know, kind of encompasses this idea of establishing your children as, uh, you know, as a father. Uh huh. Um, your role as a father is to, to establish your children. And uh, because it, it, he's talking about like how teenagers, was, this is a invention in the last like less than 100 years. Yeah, what was it, the 40s? It was the about first. The 40s, yeah. The 40s was the first recorded use of the word teenager. Right, and. And that's the 1940s. 1940s. I mean, yeah, it's just very, very, very recently. Right, and up until that point, there was just, you know, two categories. There was children. And there were adults, mm-hmm. right? And although teenagers were this au- kind of awkward, you know, they were going through puberty, like there was this awkward phase, right? They were still grouped with the adults due to their physical appearance, mm-hmm. which I think is very, you know, interesting, right? Because yeah. uh, because they are uh, they look like that they look like a man that they were grouped t- with the adults. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they were they were just considered young men who just weren't very good at being men yet. Right. But they were still counted as a young man. Right. Not as a boy. And there was no teenager. I mean, you're, you, hey, you're a man now. It's time for you to start being a man and acting like a man and getting better at being a man because that's what you are. Because that's what you are now. Yeah. And when we created this teenager's category uh, it, and revoked them from the adult category, it created this, it like isolated them and created their own classification. Mm-hmm. Right. Because now they're, well, if we say like, oh no, you're not an adult yet, but obviously you're 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 clearly physically not an, a child anymore. So right. we have to come up with this new category, namely the teenager. Yeah, and if you think about like, what does that do? Um, it there is a sort of like the way the law is a teacher. The category of teenager has a similar effect on the thinking on the mind of the people who are being and receiving this label. Um, So if you're a man and you're a young man, you know I'm pursuing the ends of a man. That's what I I am. That's what I need to be. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now all of a sudden if, oh, you're not a man, you're a teenager. Okay, well, what is a teenager? Well, a teenager is, you know, someone who's basically carefree, um, has no responsibilities, is just you know needing to go to school, and basically that's it. And you can do anything else you want. Okay, so if that's all I'm ha- having to pursue now, oh, so I'm doing whatever I want. So um, mm. you're pursuing the idea of doing whatever I want. You know this um, self gratification, pursuing the notion of no responsibility, pursuing the the the, the pursuit of self. Exactly, and so it creates. It, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling thing almost by giving and like having this label. Now you're creating teenagers as opposed to men. 
Right. Yeah, and we'll talk about that more even later on in the in the episode. But it's interesting because here here we are. We're separating them from the adults, and so you have teenagers who, in their body form, are mature, but you're letting them be kind of like what you were saying. The only thing that they've known thus far, which is a child, uh-huh. and so you're not allowing them to to meet their end or grow towards their end as. As uh, men, we're, we're, like we're we're called to virtue, right? You know, the pursuit, right, uh, is, is virtue is to be mm-hmm. a virtuous man. But a child can't be virtuous yet, right? Not, not in that same sense. Not in this. Not in the full way, right? So, what does this have? Like, let, let's talk about the, the effect that this had on on culture. Okay, so up until like about the sixties and seventies, there was only one culture, and it was the the adult culture. So the adults set the culture. Mm-hmm. Right, but then we allowed this this teenage year, these teenage years, and and the youth actually became the culture. Right, right. So like, it's no longer the adults are setting the ways. Uh, the youth now are, are are creating the culture, and this has obviously, as we've seen, uh, very detrimental effects to society. Right, because uh, what happened was this youth culture became this uh, decidedly different and rebellious counterculture which we received we saw very easily because it generated this like distrust in the adults right and we see this all the time even in, in the domestic home right if the father does not do what he's called to do namely be the head of the home what happens it creates a void and it creates a vacuum and the kids then say oh well he's not doing it i guess i can do it i guess i get to do make my own rules yeah and the order in the household becomes <laughs> disjointed and the child doesn't know the the place and the role that they have in the home, mm-hmm. right? So same thing happens in a much bigger scope, uh, you know, in the countercultural hippie movement, right? There's this yeah. distrust. I was just in, thinking about that. There's, there's this distrust in um, in just authority in and of itself. It's like, oh, well, I no longer trust you because you have this authority. It's clear, like just from natural law that you have, a specific role and you're not doing your specific role you've, you've surrendered your role mm-hmm. and so now why would i trust you with the role that you have because you're not fulfilling your your role and so now i don't trust you anymore the trust is trust relationship has been broken so what now i'm just I, I i'm like uh worried about uh you know authority i'm worried about like they're just there's resistance there i guess yeah and let's talk a little bit about what happens to a man when he is now becoming in quotes a man at a later age okay Beca- well, hold on let me before we do that okay let, let's pause because i want to i want to just kind of cap i want to put a period on the, sure. this yeah. this culture aspect okay and, and how there's so many different things at play during this time so this, okay. the the rebellious movement of the hippies mm-hmm. then you have obviously the the uh, abortion that became legalized which is just a complete uh you know a, a, a complete oh I'm, I'm it was a symptom right yeah yeah it, it, it was a treatment it, it was a treatment of a symptom of the culture you know mm-hmm. like oh we need to oh we have you know all it's these a lack of trust it's like pregnancies of, outside of wedlock well we need to we need to fix that right which fall like right up the heels of no fault divorce uh-huh uh, then you have this, you know, the social like this social revolution that divide that's dividing children from their parents, and the sexual revolution that's dividing the parents from the children. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's separation from children to parent, and se- and separation from parent to child. 
Right. Uh, he and Jason Craig makes this uh, interesting analogy. I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts and why Star Wars was such a big time, like such a big show during the 70s. And he says like it, it appealed to so many of the, so much of the youth because here we are here we have Darth Vader, the the parent yeah. to Luke Skywalker, and the parent seems to be this secretly leaving evil empires, this distrust. Leading. Yeah, leading. Yeah, leading evil empires. Uh huh. And this distrust in like who the parent is, yeah. And the hippie rebellious re- movement can relate to the Luke Skywalker and say like, "Oh yeah, I I agree with this." Right. Which fed into this whole Star Wars. Movie. Yeah, but we'll talk about it. All right. Welcome to the Battles in Autumn. The Battles in Autumn is a new spiritual exercise produced by Exodus ninety that will show you how to lead others in the faith. What we do is we open up the book of 1 Maccabees, which narrates the story of the Jewish uprising. God is calling each one of us to lead other men to Him and awaken the battle raging within and around us. Our reflection will unpack how we can lead other men and be active in battle and support one another in this fight. But the most iconic spiritual exercise from Exodus, which is Exodus 90, is a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus. We will start Exodus 90 on January 1st, 2024. That's January 1st, 2024. So go to exodus90.com to find out more. That's exodus90.com to find out more information and to participate in the spiritual exercise of Exodus 90. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Sipping on a little bit of this uh, 36 cast drink from Ranger Creek, Texas straight bourbon whiskey. Talking about the development of the idea of a teenager, and then we'll talk about like what does that mean for youth ministry and things like that, which I think will mm. be interesting. I think I know you will have some hot takes on that. Yeah, um, I will. But so we were talking about like how how uh, youth ended up forming the culture in the 60s and 70s, right? Because it's a rejection. It still does. I it, mean, it's, Well, it's, it's carried on, but it started yeah, in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. That was never a thing right. until the 60s and 70s. And now it does, and it has this ripple effect. Uh, we'll talk about that. But so, like, the youth has become the culture, and youthfulness is no longer a biological or development stage, but like a state of mind, uh-huh. right? Where, like, this is something, this is something that I've ta- talked to Haley about a lot, Um how I just think that we reject the beauty of aging, right? That everybody wants to be like, just continue to look youthful. Everybody wants to be like, I want to be young. I want to look young. I want to look young. And like, there's a beauty when you see an old man, an old woman together, you know, man and wife, like there's a beauty there that cannot be replicated. Right. Right. Uh, and it's that stage in life. But we, we try to almost reject this beauty to go back to this youthfulness, which it's just like the state of mind because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a rejection of reality. Right. And um, so it, it, like this whole ethos of the self-fulfillment uh, as the highest good in the 60s and 70s, right? Like this whole like, oh, as a teenager, like you just do whatever whatever you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. It's this rejection of authority. Have a great time. Yeah, whatever's good for you it, it is the right thing to do. You do you, I'll do me. You know, this this moral relativism. Yeah. Um. You can just see how how it, it's had these ripple effects in culture to the point that now we don't even know what a what a boy and a girl is anymore. Mm-hmm. 
right? Right. Uh, to yeah. the point of like, you know, and this is just downstream of all of this. And you can see, I think, I think you can clearly see how those two things are in fact related. Yeah. You know, there. It's not. I, I think that is a fair uh, statement to make that this idea of teenager culture has led to where we are today. With we don't even know what a man is, what a woman is. Mm-hmm. And Jason Craig brings up this beautiful uh, thought where this this perversion of grown-ups wanting to act like children or be like children or like wanting to be accepted by children, right? Like even in oh, movies and things like I that, can't it's like stand that. Like where you see movies like in cinema where like the the adults are trying to be friends with their children. Yeah. It's like that's not your role. I cannot stand that, you know, when you've got you see like there's a parent who's trying to be the cool mom or right. the uh whatever. Mm-hmm. It just drives me crazy. Yeah, and, and uh Jason Craig, Craig it's, and it's just such it's just it's root rooted in such insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know, about about adulthood or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, Jason brings up this uh, this beautiful thought of saying, like, God in the faith says that, you know, St. Augustine says that uh, faith of ever ancient, ever new, not of forever young. Mm, yeah. Right? So there's a beauty there, right? There's a like this ever ancient and ever new, but it's not a forever young. Right. Uh, and reaching adulthood is like the end of childhood in the sense of its end of its purpose and You're fulfillment. That's what it's for. Right. And not the, the termination of like the good years, like uh-huh. uh, whenever I didn't have any responsibilities. And then he, he quotes a lot of scripture, right? So he says like, you know, St. Paul talks about how do not be children in your thinking. Or, and uh, he, he tells uh, Bishop Titus in, in Titus 2.6, 2, he says, urge the young men to self-mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Aquinas talks about how Prudence is like the most important virtue, right? He says it's the mother of all virtues. It's the governing governing virtue, uh, and it guides all other virtues. But he says that children cannot be prudent, neither in habit nor in act, because they lack the requ- uh, the requisite experience, which uh, is why they need guides or mentors. Yeah, so I think that's a... Let me get back to what I was going to say. That's why I, want, I wanted yeah. to get to this point, because I thought it would... Yeah, I think that is a good segue. Yeah. So, today we have young men being called teenagers who, okay, then you turn 20. Oh, I'm not a teenager anymore. But nothing really changes. You're, you, you know, you can still stay on your parents' health insurance till you're like 27 or something. I mean, it's a... 25, I think, yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's a long time. Um, and these days, today, you have more adult children living at home than ever before. I mean, it's just a huge, huge... And, you know, there are many reasons for that. Not just cultural. Many of them are economic, but all the same. We're still here. So you have a a young man who's now not... He has not up until recently viewed himself as a man. It's a big mystery in his his mind when that happens. And and I can remember going through that. I can remember being young and thinking, "Am I a man now? You know, like, mm-hmm. am I good enough? Am I? Yeah, because there's no rite of passage anymore. Right. A- am I worthy? Have I proven myself? You know, would I? If I was tested now, would I pass the test? Whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. I can remember wondering those things. Um, and so, you have the a person who has accepted and maintained this mental mental thought about them as a boy or a teenager 
not a man. Now I'm trying to become one. And it's happening at an older age when you're not at home. And you contrast that with the 13 or 14-year-old boy accepting the mantle of manhood and transitioning under the watchful care and guidance of his father. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so it doesn't take a genius to figure out which of those two is going to be more successful. Right. Okay. Uh, you send a 20-something out into the world and he figures out himself what manhood is, or he is, um, you know, very overtly and trained, and he knows at a young age, this is what it is, now I'm a man, and this is what's expected of me mm-hmm. because of it. Right. I mean, that's that's what should be happening. Um, one of the things that Jason, one of the points he made, and uh, he's got a book on this, what's it, Leaving, leaving, boyhood, leaving behind. boyhood Behind, it's a new no, no, it's not a new book. He does have a new book coming out, but that that's not it. Yeah. Um where he one of the points that he makes is that we need to take young boys away from the women. At some point, you know, children live in a female world and that's that's good, okay? Cuz they need the nurturing care of I mean, this is just all part of God's plan. But for the young men, when they reach that age where okay, you it's time we have to remove them from the world of women and now firmly plant them in the world of men. Um, and, and that's just something that we don't do. Our culture, the way we raise children here, it just, there's not an... Once we got away from, okay, your father was a blacksmith, now you're going to be, a, you know, therefore you're a blacksmith. When we got away from that kind of culture and that mm-hmm. kind of economy... Yeah, mentorships. It, it, and... Yeah, it just, well, it's hard to put the young boys in the world of men because dad's at work. Right. You know, what are you going to... The like, industrial revolution really killed that whole notion. Right. Like the bank doesn't want you bringing your son to work with you every day and showing him how to use the computer. You right. know, like that's just not going to fly. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know what a good solution is because unless you work from home... Uh, you know, well, the I op- think, opportunity to raise your son, you know, in the world of men is tricky. Right. But this is also goes back to the importance of uh, having good male friendships around you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like uh, the, the friendships that we have, uh, you know, here with Juan and you and Jim and like all of our buddies, Scott and all of our buddies, like when we're talking and my, my children are even there present, my mm-hmm. boys are there present. They realize, oh, this is how men talk. This is. This is these are the things that men talk about. Yeah, this is how men you know have conversations, uh, and it reinforces the yeah. conversations that you and I have, that Juan and I have, you know, that we have together. It reinforces even more so than just me teaching them by myself. Right, right, right. When your son hears one of your friends say the things that you've been teaching your son, right, he's like, oh, it really forges that okay. thought together. Dad was telling me about that. Right, that's a real thing. And I, Adam, I think that's a, a good point about. First, you need to have, if you want to raise your boy to be a man, first, you need to have good male friendships. And then one way you can start to bring him into the world of men, as we're putting it, is to, when you're doing things with your peers, once he reaches a certain age, mm-hmm. invite him along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that, yeah, hey, we're going to go have a cigar. Like, maybe he's not, get, maybe he's too young to have a cigar. I don't know. But I mean, at some point, if he's a man, and you want him to be a man, 
like I'm not I am not advocating that you give your 14 year old son a cigar, but there are just certain hey, there's a time for you to become a man, and you're at least maybe going to come hang out, okay, and listen to the conversation, be a part of it, right, um, or whatever the event is, you know, that is for men. Okay, well, it's time that he comes, especially if it's a service act, right? Because sure, what what I think really solidifies that is it really pulls them out of a, a self gratification. Right, because the problem with teenagers is it's all about self-esteem. It's all about like you know what I feel, self-indulgence. Like uh, how, like how, how can the world please me? Mm-hmm. And being a true man is is is, is just a, linked, a self-sacrificial right. life, right? So uh, any kind of act of service that you have, you you set you show him like this is how you lay down your life for others. This is how you truly love somebody else. Those type of uh, moments, I think, really show like. This is what's preparing you for manhood. Yeah, it's not like while cigars are great and things like that. Like these are, uh, you know, lower goods compared to the higher goods of of this self sacrificial love. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's what he needs. That's what he needs to see. Yeah, like while you know the cigars and the whiskey and things like that, this facilitate good conversations. For sure, what they need to hear is what what good conversations are between men. A lot of good there too, but but they need to see men in action. Sure, and men in action and love. Uh, and that prepares them to lay down their life either for uh, the church, the bride of Christ, or for their, their bride in their vocation. Amen. Dave and Pamela, Haley and I, Jim and Kathy, and Father Patrick Briscoe, Dominican friar from the Dominican House of Studies, editor of Our Sunday Visitor, we're going to the Holy Land, and we want you to come with us. April 3rd through the 13th, 2024, we're going to be walking in the footsteps of our Lord and His apostles. We're going to celebrate daily Mass and sample some of the best local cuisine and wine. It's going to be a fantastic trip full of prayer, fellowship, mirth, and it's selling out quick. We're taking less than one bus, so it's, it's intimate. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. We want you to come with us. All you have to do is go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. Sign up today. It's selling out very quickly, but we want you to join us. Selectinternationaltours.com slash The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to The Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan, we're talking about teenagers and how they don't exist. This new concept. New this new concept called teenagers. It is really it's weird to think about though. You know, concept. your great your great grandparents had no idea of this concept. Yeah. It, and, and this is it's Oh penetra- of, a, of a teenager, of yeah. A teenager. And it's penetrated our culture so much so that we we have not even thought about this. Yeah, so the baby boomer generation, I guess, would have been the first teenager. Probably. Yeah. Which is which is wild. They're the worst. Sorry, Jim. I don't. I don't mean that. But <laughs> well, okay. So so here, I know some lovely baby boomers. I'm just gonna say that. Yes. So he, he, so as a generation, though, problems. They had some problems. As all generations do, but yeah, they they have their own. That is yes. true. That is true. So here here's the deal. If we have, uh, we have grown, you know, uh, physically grown men still acting like boys like what does that look like in the in the catholic realm like how like how does that affect them in their spirituality how does that affect them in the church yeah and these have big ramifications as well right because 
up until the 60s, youth ministry wasn't a thing. Yeah, or so, or think about this. Um, when you go and read the lives of the saints, very often at 17, they were in the seminary. Mm-hmm. They had discerned their vocation, okay? Mm-hmm. A teenager is incapable of discerning his vocation because he refuses to accept the mantle of adulthood of the rest of my life. The teenager doesn't care about the rest of his life. He only is living about the now. today, right? He's right. like, oh, I don't care. It's like, pff, I don't care about next year, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. let's just play video games, right? And so during those important moments when he should be discerning, vo- and, and you see, this is why people don't get married until they're like 30 now. Or later. Because they've just prolonged the growth. Right, because they should have started at 14, and they didn't start until they're 24. Right. Um, actually thinking about the rest of their life, and what is it that they want? What are the good, like, what good things do they want to pursue? Mm-hmm. Um, and and who, do, who do they want to pursue it with? Uh, so, yeah, it's just, you know, the, the vocation, the vocation. That's what I was trying to say. It's yeah. like, it's it's that too. In talking about your spiritual, you know, our spiritual lives, and well, that's a big a big component of it because discerning um, the priesthood, a lot of that happens, and is um, it's a beneficial time to do it when you are at home. Yeah. So if we've created this new category, you know, sort of relatively new, right, of, of teenager. Yeah. Uh, the church, like, has decided, okay, well, if there's this new category, we need to minister to these people, right? Yeah. And this, in in no way, is. Um, uh, belittling the, the desire to, to to evangelize these people, to bring them to Christ, or right. the people who's sure. doing it in, in any way, shape, or form. But there's obviously issues here because we've created a new category, so we haven't foreseen uh, the ramifications and the the missteps. You know, if you if you start out on a misstep at the very beginning, then you can't see the ramifications of that down the line and how big they really are until you actually get there. Mm-hmm. Right, you you have no foresight of like, oh wow, we really missed the boat here until it's way down the line. Yeah. So in this book, uh, Thomas Burgler has this book called uh, "The Juvenilization of American Christianity," and he's talking about like this whole idea of youth ministry and how it's come come to be. And uh, he says in here, I'll quote: He says, uh, "While sincere in design, youth ministry sometimes ends badly, with both youth and adults embracing immature versions of their faith." If maturing youth is the goal, not only are we failing, but we're also perpetrating immaturity in adults. Mm. Right. So his his thought process, or you know, what he's saying here is like, oh well, well, because they're not adults yet, we can't. We have to kind of dumb down the faith or water down the faith. Yeah. And we're lowering the bar, you know, for for these children. Well, we don't do that with any other subject: math, science, history, like. Any of these? Well, we are starting to do those things well, now. We haven't. Other. We haven't yeah. in the past, right? And, and so, but what 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 ends up happening is is the teachers themselves end up dumbing down everything, and they end up taking the faith at a very, uh, a very surface level uh, faith mm-hmm. because that's what they're teaching, and the children and the teenagers are also doing that as well. I mean, there are. Many, many, many youth programs that essentially have just been boiled down to this is a safe space for you to like go and be with your friends. And that's what the parents view it as like, oh, good. You went to youth group. Mm -hmm. So I know you're not getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's really what it comes down to is like, good, mm-hmm. there, um, this is like a, considered for me a safe environment for you to spend time with boys and girls, right. you know? And if that's all that we are expecting of, you know, the, mm-hmm. of, of, from our children with regard to their spiritual life or whatever, I mean, and I know that the youth program is not like, that's what we're expecting from you, but it's just an absolute waste of time. Well, so St. Paul talks about, he laments this, like, this idea of, to the Corinth, uh, Corinthian church, right? He, and he blames them for their spiritual immaturity. He says that he could not even address them as spiritual men, but as infants in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so Burglar actually, he, he goes on and he says... I like, I like that line. It's, yeah, a, fun, it's, like, it's a funny one. It's, it's like, like, you're not ready for solid food. It's like, I have to, like, just, like, you know, still, you know, uh, milk feed, you know. Right, feed, yeah. Feed you, you know, yeah. So Burglar actually talks about how he says, our faith is immature in a way that Aristotle said that young friendships can be immature based on utility or benefit for the individual, pleasure and ease, right? So utilitarian or, or you know, for, for, for pleasure. He says, uh, just as modern Western culture created teenagers as a consumer group and continues to coddle it in perpetuity, so too a youth ministry that mimics the youth culture creates a subgroup between ch- child and adult that perpetrates a self-referential spiritual adolescence. Totally. You know, and so it's like, man, that that hits. I, I, I know that rings true so much. I mean, yeah. uh, Father Gary Gulagrange, he had his, uh, you know, most infamous or uh, famous writing, not infamous, <laughs> his most famous writings, probably you know, the, the three stages of the spiritual life. He talks about uh, how each the life of each saint passes from childhood to adulthood to old age. He didn't talk about anything about you know the teenage years right. or adolescence yeah. or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, so I just think like uh, uh, Saint. So okay, hold on. Let me let me just uh, I'll, I'll say this, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. So Saint Paul says that when he was a child, he acted and spoke like a child, but when he grew up, he put away his childish things. We've heard this all before, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, and this comes from First Corinthians. Uh, like this comes right. At, I'm sorry. This comes right after First Corinthians 13, which is the the passage that everybody uses at the wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. He talks about all these things like, what is love? He says, like, what is love? He asks, what is love? don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Uh, So he talks about, like, what is love? And then he says, when I put away, like, uh, I put away child, like, when I grew up, I put away childish things. So in other words, like, love, which is the the summary of the Christian life, Mm -hmm. right, is found in maturity and is and is proven in the willingness and ability to sacrifice for the Christian community in love. It says maturity is restrained and unfree, bound to God and the crosses he sins and the people he, he binds us to. True freedom is not youthful unattachment, but the loss of the types of freedom the world pursues. Right. Right, because we 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 fundamentally misunderstand freedom. I mean, that's a whole other topic. Right. That freedom is not just the ability to do as you please, mm-hmm. the ability to choose the good. So, freedom very very often has the appearance appearance of being very restraining. Okay, you take marriage for example. Um, you have the freedom to love this person. At the same time, you have excluded yourself from all other women or all other men. Right? And so it looks like, oh, what a ball and chain, right? We even call it that. Um, that looks like the opposite of freedom. But actually, it's because of those things that you're free, right? And, and so 
right. this is this is the problem with with um, teenagers or the or the, uh, the concept of teenagers. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to be free, mm-hmm. but it's only because you have you're an idiot and you don't know what you're doing that you think that that's what freedom is. Right. You know, and you could be pursuing the true, the good, and the beautiful in a way that would actually set you free. And instead, you're pursuing me, myself, and uh, you know whatever is next, and you're a slave mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to I wanted to understand like okay, where did this youth ministry come from? Like, where was the first like first cases of youth ministry? Yeah. And uh, John Bosco. No, but they do talk about John Bosco. But I mean. Uh, you're you mean type. you're you're talking about like for the teenager for the teenager yeah, yeah because yeah, yeah. there's always been fact, uh, like you know catechism for the for like the youth right but I'm talking about like youth ministry as it is today okay so like the methods were from uh, I don't know if John Bosco he he didn't invent it either no he just but he, he, he just he did it. To yeah you, yeah uh, but many methods of youth ministry were formed by this uh, a Protestant by the name of J uh, Jim, I'm sorry Jim Rayburn who created Young Life. A lot of people have heard of Young okay, Life yeah. in the 1940s. And Young Life was like focused on the importance of relationships through like informal fun gatherings to, to like kind of slip the gospel in, you know, like, oh, let's have, you know, dance or fun, you know, some kind of like acting or, you know, some kind of like gathering together and, and fun. And then we'll kind of slip the gospel in, create the community. It's kind of like a sub church to welcome the unchurched into our church, right? You like get them involved in the community, community and then bring them into church. Okay. Right, so this is like a lot of the, you know, you see a lot of the, that concept uh, widely even in the Catholic realm, right? But the prob- oh, yeah, all the time But the time problem today. is, but in the Catholic family case, not only does it bring uh, belong to the parents, the, to, uh, the vocation to inform their children, not to convince them, but to inform them and instruct them, uh, it, has to, it has been proven the most effective way of means of transmitting the faith. So it's not about this, like, convincing, like, oh, let's get together and, like, look at all this fun community and then, like, let's go to church and hopefully you can convince them to buy into it. But as a Catholic family, as a Catholic parent, it's to instruct and inform, not to convince your children mm-hmm. of the faith. Yeah. So we'll continue this conversation. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. That really is an important distinction to keep in mind. Right, because if you spend your time trying to convince them, mm-hmm. you start pandering to their wants and needs, or not to their needs, but to their you're desires. Yeah, you're, sell- you're really selling. Yeah, you're, no, exactly. you're no longer like evangelizing. You're no longer like uh, preaching the gospel. You're you're trying to sell it. Right, which it makes it cheap. Right, it cheapens it. Right, yeah, because the convincing should be. They're witnessing your own your own belief, right? Um, if it's true, then they should see that you certainly believe it's true in the way that you live. In like, well, do you have a prayer life? Um, or do you have? Do you leave a sac? Do you lead a sacramental life? How often do you go to confession? Right? Um, how does your faith express itself in your personal relationships? You know, in the way you go to work. All the, all that kind of stuff, that that is the thing that will be convincing, right? But and going back to the convincing side and then selling it, mm-hmm. if you were to see an embodiment of that in the not convincing, informing them and instructing them. No, but if you were to be convincing, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you see an embodiment of that, would be that movement of 
sacrament of confirmation, moving down to the teenage years. Right. Towards like, now I'm, he may not want to do it, but I'm going to have to convince him that this is the right thing to do. There's a lot of ramifications there. Yeah, I, I, one, I think that's a great yeah. point. Because yeah, I don't know when I don't know when it got moved to high school. That would be an interesting thing to look up about. But yeah. when that happened, I just I'm I really don't sure, know. I'm pretty sure I know, but I'm not positive, so I'll, I'll hold I'll hold it. But um, Prud- uh, how prudent of you? Adam. Yeah, I'm not positive, but you know, there's a lot of people trying to go back to the restored order, where yeah, that's receive- what we do. I like it. Uh, I mean, I think that it's so important to to try to receive. The sacrament of confirmation before they hit puberty, you know, you want to have them have the access to, to these all the graces, graces baby. I yeah, want all, I want them all before they get there. Yeah, so I think this is, I mean, this is kind of where the the rubber hits the road, like as far as youth ministry, right? Because uh, it, it's easy to point the finger of like, oh, well, youth ministry has not been effective, right? Because like, well, that's true. It hasn't, and, and the reason why a lot of times is I think that we try to sell youth on uh, emotion. And, and passions, right? Which is not like, which is part of the faith. Like, you know, this is part, you know, having emotions and passions like is part of the faith and they can be used as good. They can also be used as bad. Uh, but that's not what like brings you into like the true relationship with, with Jesus, right? Because right. Emotions, uh, emotions come and go. Any, any man knows, married man knows that emotions to, towards a wife come and go. Sure. Uh, but it's not the emotions that drive the vocation. Right. Right. Um, and so uh, I think that this is why I think a lot of Protestant churches have a high revolving door, you know, like rotating in their, of youth, in their youth program, in the youth program, because they sell them on this this emotional high. Right. And, and they sell it well. And, you know, and they do it a great job at it. Right. But the problem is with, as we know, with dopamine hits and with like emotions, like the more you do that, the more that's what they come to it, expect. It wears off, and yeah. it wears, and, it, and the more you have to increase that to keep up it the going. Ante, yeah, um, and and eventually you will, you can't sustain that, right? Um, and so the problem, I think, a lot of times with these youth ministries is we try to get a bunch of kids there, do praise and worship band, uh, hold your hands up, uh, you know, like get the emotions going, yeah. And uh, that's a surface level under like uh, emotional thing that's going to wear off. Same with like when you go to Crescio, same with Acts or anything else. Like you have this spiritual high, but th- then it falls off. And if you don't have you know roots planted deep, something you're, to do you're with gonna it, with, right. you're going to wither up and die. Right. Um, and so the problem is, is N- yeah, and not that there's wrong, not that there's anything wrong with any of those things. I mean, the, the, they're, right. And this is what I kind of started out by yeah. saying. Like this isn't a a. Uh, you know, condemnation of youth ministry. Certainly not. But... Or, well, I think actually it is a condemnation of youth ministry, but not a condemnation of the people in youth ministry who are working very hard well, to do so, their best to serve the... You know, like, so certainly I, not condemning these people. I, I, I would uh, I would uh, counter with that it's not necessarily the problem... You are condemning the people. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> no. no, I would counter with saying that it's not necessarily the, uh, the youth ministry... Uh, issue but it's the it's the parent issue right because but but the thing is the whole point of our conversation today is that we're pandering to this idea of teenagers like like mm-hmm. as if there's such thing as a spiritual teenager mm-hmm. right the a teenager doesn't even exist and we've created now spiritual teenagers right um and so that is so i i actually from that point of view am condemning the idea of youth ministry in as much as it promotes 
the concept of a spiritual teenager, okay? We don't need spiritual teenagers. What we need are adults growing in their faith life. Right, and that's, well, that's, so if you're uh, informing and instructing your children in the faith, if your children went to something like this, this is not something that they would be seeking after. Yeah. Or if, you know, if it was, you know, it it could be used as a good, right? Praise and worship is great, uh, can be, can be a a very good. It can can be, it can can be be good anyway. It can be good. Uh, You know, even like an emotional high for, you know, so to speak, for Jesus, like in some way is a, is a good thing, but it's. But yeah, because Jesus to... very often, I mean, in my own life, he's he has clearly um, spoken to me in those moments, you know, uh, used those mountaintop experiences mm-hmm. as a way of calling me, you know, and I, I think everybody, but if the people foundation, get that. I guess, I guess the, the point I'm trying to make is like, if the foundation isn't there, then the seed cannot take root. Sure. No, yeah, totally. And so um, while I think... Uh, I, I think it's very clear in the 80s and 90s and maybe even early 2000s, even even today, a lot of parents think that, oh, well, I instruct my kids in the faith by sending them to CCD or, or to they, Catholic school whatever, or to Catholic school or whatever they call, you know, whatever they call the religious ed program in the diocese. Uh, and that's how I teach them the faith. Right. And that's just uh, that's a, that's just a, ne- a neglect it's a, it's an attitude. So if you if if you find yourself in that, say like, oh well, I'm sending my kids to Catholic school, therefore I'm educating them in the faith. I'm just going to be blunt with you. You're failing your children most likely when it comes to educating them in the faith. Okay, and once again, I'm not condemning anybody's intentions, right? But sending them to Catholic school is not enough. Okay, send them to public school and then actually like invest yourself into them, they'll be much better off from a spiritual standpoint Mm -hmm. because they need, they can only receive the faith from you. You are the primary educator, okay? And if they don't see it in you, then just like, uh, you know, all the other kids that you see are running around, yep, they'll go to mass until, I mean, until they go away and then they'll stop because... Yeah. They don't have to anymore. The Catechism 2223 is a great spot for all uh, parents to go uh, look up and like understand like what is the duties of a parent yeah. to their children uh, um, passing the faith. And really, I think the like one of the way, best ways we can help our teens like move from this self-centeredness because this is what it is, right? It's a lack of maturity. It's a lack of a mature uh, this a maturation of not only uh, emotional but it's spiritual and you know, as they're growing in, in the physical way, is is pulling them out of themselves and showing like what a man truly is is a man is is uh, is is, a, is another Christ of laying down his life for that of the other. Yeah, yeah, a willing victim. Right. Yeah. So you were a couple times you've you've used the analogy of you know mountaintop experience, but if you don't have that foundation, mm-hmm. it's not going to be. You know, it's not going to do you much good. So, you know, for for a young man, you know, what is that foundation? Is it a, oh, oh, is oh. it an understanding of who I am, what I'm called to be? Is that the foundation, or is it something else? Well, uh, like hopefully, the foundation is 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 being built within the home, right? But obviously, at some point in your life, whether you're uh, eight or sixteen. 32, 64, 
you know, whatever the age is, yeah. eventually you're going to ask like, uh, who am I and wh- why am I here? Yeah. Right. And the Baltimore Catechism, beautiful catechism to teach you, like, in, you know, inform you of the faith. Right. Like it, t- it talks about how like the reason why we're here is to know, love and serve our Lord in this life so that we may have eternal life with him forever in heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, before I can serve him, I have to know him. So how do I know him? Well, that that's prayer. Yeah. Right. And then once you fall deeper and deeper in love with him through prayer, then you're able to serve him more. You're able to know his will for you in your life. The, the discernment process in your life becomes a lot easier, right? Because you're no longer having to be really like, Lord, what are you wanting from me? Like, what, and like trying to just, uh, what I call it, like pray, like cramming in prayer, like you know, like you used to study and like yeah. cram. Yeah, like you, like you can. Is there and, another way to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there actually is. Like, and, and you can do this with prayer too, right? Like, where you have like these hiatuses in prayer, and then all of a sudden you have something big that that comes up, and right. you're like hoping for this transactional relationship with Jesus, right? Where I put in a, a bunch of time, all of a sudden, and then like I'm hoping to get the the thing that I'm you know wanting out of the out of the deal. Yeah. Well, that's that's not actually how you learn, right? You're just trying. You're just. It's an input output thing, right? Uh, it's also not how you develop a relationship with our Lord. Yeah. So the more you 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 know Him, the the better you're able to discern His will for you in your life, and the more that you unite your will with His, you're able to love Him more fully because you're you're created in uh, the way in which He's desired you to be created. Yeah. So you think that's the foundation? To know, love, and serve him. Yeah. So uh, Christopher West, one of the things he mentions in his classic 10-CD set from the early 2000s, back when they still had CDs, young people, like, when I mentioned my sister get, getting engaged, I asked Tom something about burning CDs. I asked him, have you ever burned a CD the other day? And he said, no, I remember seeing burned cds and like i know that like we had some or something they were i know that they existed right that's what it was it was like dang it (laughs) i feel so old but anyway um you don't know how many hours that took to burn that cd right back in the day christopher west had these 10 cds this long thing and the the point is that he said the most important question a man can ask himself is what does it mean to be a man Okay, what for a woman, what does it mean to be a woman, right? What does that mean? The fact that I am a man. What does that mean for my life? Like there's a lot of there's a a lot of big answers. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know, as people are going through life with all these questions. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of big answers in just that. What does it mean to be a man? Okay, well, I am a man, just recognize that. And therefore I'm called to X. I'm called to do certain things. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, all right, well, now you're called to these other things. And that's those those are good. All of these things are good. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we mentioned earlier that today we don't even know what a man and a woman is. So we're talking about a fundamental um, confusion and reality that mm-hmm. we do, do. We just, it's just not there. We don't even know what reality is, what is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that really is a big part of that foundation, okay, because... A boy doesn't need to be told what a boy is because it just is a, like, childhood happens. It just, you know, you just have this imagination. You just, 
the things that children do, they just are that way. And it's very beautiful. It's a gift that... There's innocence. That the, the vocation of childhood is so... Um, it's just you can see God just in his absolute care for children, mm-hmm. right? In the way that he provides them with um, their imagination, with their appetites, with their questions, with their just the beauties of childhood. But then, as God does for all of us, he calls us to greater things, calls us to stand on our own two legs, right? So he, he begins to establish us. Establish us, exactly. Good, good tie back, Adam. So we need to know, what is a man? And that's, that's what we don't know. And so we need to have that. That, I think, is the essential. Okay, right. We have to get that in the minds of our, of our young boys, what and, it is. And what is, what is it? It's a duty to the other. Right? So it's a call to love. It, right. Okay, and you can say the same thing about women. Okay, Being a woman mm-hmm. is also a, a call to love. We, we, need to, we need to very clearly understand how we express that in different ways. But. Yeah. So I, I bring this back, like, uh, Leo is, uh, uh, one, he's three years old, almost four years old now. Yeah, it's time for him to get a job. Yeah. Uh, Leo is a very, like, he's, like I said, I've said this before, but he's like one of, probably my funniest kid that I have. Like, he's hilarious. I, uh, he told me that you're getting him a, a 300 blackout. Gun for his birthday, a, re- a real one, a real one. He told me that, and yeah. a, and a motorcycle, and a motorcycle. You're right, and he was absolutely convinced like that's the that case. you said he was going to get a real 300 blackout and yes. a motorcycle, one that shoots real. That's what he says, shoots real. Yeah, yeah. And he was not kidding. Right. So I, I know he wasn't. <laughs> so um, it's going to be a terrible birthday. Yeah, it's going to be, such a gonna be the worst birthday of his life. So when Leo, like when Leo. Uh, so he's at home by himself right now because, uh, like, with the three other older kids, they're latch going key. to school. He's a latchkey kid at three. I don't know what that means. When you're home by yourself with no parents? No. No, no. So, But he, he, he didn't have... Oh, your wife is here. Okay, gotcha. So he didn't have the older kids uh, right. at home. So he, he's finding himself uh, with a lot of free time. Yeah. And he's very mis- he kind of a mischievous kid sometimes, right? But he thrives on, like, duty. Things in which he has, like, that I rely on him to do. Uh-huh. Like, and whenever I, whenever we give him things to do, like... I need you to do I this. I need you to do this. Yeah. He is so good at it. hmm Right? And, like, so he understands what his goal and his objective is, and he understands, like, what he has to do and, like, the things in which uh, it's going to take to get these things done. But when he doesn't have something like that is when he gets into trouble. Yeah. Is I- when he, idle hands. Right. And this is like the whole teenager, right? This is what this is the whole category of teenager is that we have not given them the duties of like an adulthood. We've said like, no, you you're not ready for this yet, mm-hmm. which they are, which is a it's false. But it was telling them like you don't have you're you're not old enough to have this duty, and so then then they have this idle hands while hormones are going crazy, and they get into trouble. Yeah, and they fall into this like whole self of like oh self. Self gratification, like self esteem, is for like what do I think of myself? Like how, how how am I into the world? Like this is a whole this is the Saint Augustine. What do you think? What do you think about this idea of your like thirteen year old son going and getting a job? I don't know. That might be hard to do it. Might be hard to get hired at thirteen. Well, I we'll think, say maybe fourteen. I think there are places you can get hired at fourteen. 
maybe. And I, I, but this, I think you this can... is just now. I just am thinking about this right now. So this isn't. This thought is raw not. Thought. Yeah, this is very raw. But having them get a job and they don't get to keep any of the money, it all goes to the family. Even if you don't like, even though like you as a as the dad, probably yeah, you make enough money to pay for everything. You don't need them to go get a minimum wage job. But it would just be that hey, now hey, you're 14. It's time to stop acting. It's time to start acting like a man and providing. Now you don't have a wife and children, but you are part of a family, and therefore, you will work, and the money will go to the family. I think I like the it's idea a very, it's better. A, it's a raw thought. Yeah, I think I like the uh, idea better. Jim is of, Jim is shaking his head big time no over there. I, I like the idea better of like this is your money, but here's what you have to do. Here's what you should be doing with it. So you're developing like you're saying like. You understand, you're giving them the the habits of like here's how you tithe. These are the other things that you have to do with money because if you just give it all like, uh, if he doesn't get a chance to just like have it, yeah, okay, I like th- it. Then they can't. I'm on he, board. He can't develop the habits of like, oh, I have to, I have a duty to the church, I have a duty to other people, I have a duty to save. You have yeah you have financial responsibility. Sure. And so I think that that uh, I think that's a good point. That yeah that. Maybe maybe part of that duty is to the family, but he's he needs to be the one to distribute it, right? right and to pay, right? And manage, yeah. So I, I like I, I I don't know. I just think like obviously I have you know four boys. I have, my oldest is getting into the uh, you know quote unquote teenage years, and so I'm really thinking about this a lot more and trying to understand like how do I establish my sons to be men of the church. You know, how, like, what do I need to do yeah. to show them that, you know, the way to life is, is to lay down your life? Like, yeah. if you, this, the whole, like, if you die before you die, then you won't die when you die. You know, that is, like, what I, the mantra in which I want them to understand. Do it now. But um, Earlier, you were also saying that it is about the roots having in the family. Mm-hmm. And I think that is... It, meanwhile, I said like uh, ho- hopefully it is. Yeah, like, but it's that's a very limited scope because if it's almost like the fertile soil is within a group of men that you eventually invite him to join, and you cannot be a group. You're a father, right? So it's like, but going back to the community aspect, mm. it's a man of the church means being belonging to something greater than yourself means something greater than your family and and as well as like that's where in humility you recognize your limitations it's like I can be the best father that I can be but I cannot be a community mm-hmm. and, and that's where you have to go outside of, of, of yourself and build that community absolutely to where the importance of friendship the, yeah that's, and, I, I think that's a good point yeah because yeah, the family is an imperfect society yes um but I think it's also true. What I think you were probably saying that yeah, it's got to start. Obviously, it starts at home. But it doesn't mean it, it's the the crescendo. It doesn't mean it's the end all. Yeah, but I I think that's a good point, Juan. That yeah, yeah. the you know the sweet spot is ultimately yeah. like when you have that community that he you know, can be called and invited into. You had a beautiful example with a look before his first communion. Right, we took that fishing trip mm-hmm. where it's like we were all men, and he was the only. Mm-hmm. Invited. No it's, shirts. 
I I had my. You oh, remember that, that my? Was just me. Was it just me? Do you oh, remember my my mega jig? My my mega gig. Your what? My mega jig. Yeah, I had I, I had a that. spinner. I had all of them. Yes. But it's like that was a perfect example of like here's a group of men. I forgot about that. Me yeah, too. Here's a group of men and caught so many fish. Yeah. <laughs> it could it could snag somewhere. But it's like here's a perfect example I of like why. into your hat. I think. No, that was another. That's another. But it's like here's a group of men, and you are invited to join us because now you are part of this circle. Yeah. That you were not before because you've gone through the sacraments. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is the. It was a somewhat kind of a rite of passage, right? So, uh, last thing, I just want to kind of revisit this again. Okay. This is the last thing because I know we got to wrap this up. Um, about discerning your vocation and how we need to start calling um, our young boys to manhood soon, early, right? Um, I, I just got to kind of mention this, but when it comes to the priesthood. It is very hard um, to discern. It gets harder, I should say, to discern it later in life. If you have to work a job, you know, um, and like pay for your own living, and and now okay, you're finally coming around to taking life seriously in your twenties. Now I'm discerning the priesthood. It just is harder to do when you're on your own. Now, if you are si- 15, 16, 17... why is that? Because you have to like have a day job and go to work. As opposed to, hey, um, maybe I don't have to pay for my own living, and so I can devote more time, like while I'm living with my parents, still, um, you know, in school. Okay. There's you have it's easier for you to, hey, I'm gonna go do this, I'm gonna go, or I'm gonna spend time doing these things because I don't have to like work. Okay. You don't see that as a no. Okay. But I, I like I think I see your point, but I like um I don't I don't I don't see that being a hindrance. Okay. Because like you're it, it's still a self like you're still self like why am I working? Like well I have to say myself. It's like, well, if I go to the priesthood I don't have to do that anymore. Okay. So, you're not going to be able to like just take a month off and go discern with a religious community if you have a job. No. You can't do that when you're a kid. No, but um, if you're do if you're starting that whole process, that mental process, that spiritual prayerful thing. Sure. Okay. I guess by the be, time by the be, yeah. you know by the time you graduate from high school, and now you're thinking about college. You know what is it that I'm actually like? Okay, this has been on my heart now for a while. I want to do this. Okay. okay. You, you have the freedom to go and do it. Without having to say like, well, can I? Am I going to lose my job? You know, do I have to quit my job just so I can go like see about this religious community for a month yeah. or for three weeks or whatever? Um, so once once you like start going down the secular path of life, um, you know things start moving and it it just gets harder and harder to stop the wheels and go back the other way if if you decide actually I'm called not to the secular life but um to a different way of life you know so having begun that that mental process earlier which doesn't happen i mean it just in most people i don't think they they're so caught up in just what they're doing being a teenager um that hasn't even occurred to them 
until later in life that, hey, maybe I should ponder these things. Yeah, you well, know? that's because, uh, again, teenagers, a lot of times, are self-gratifying you know, right. children. Yeah. And so if you're self trying to self-gratify, you're not thinking about, like, what is, what is the Lord calling me to? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my last point. All right. Um. Yeah. It was, it's just an interesting topic. It's an interesting thing to think about and ponder, and hopefully like it, it'll give you an opportunity to, to maybe study a little bit more about it and then think about it for your own family. And I uh, highly recommend Jason's book. Yes, Leaving Boyhood Behind. And uh, getting a subscription to Sword and Spade. Awesome. Cheers. <laughs>